Hey, what's up? This is Chris Fristali of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and an ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Oh, we got to talk about the puppy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going. Hey, guys. Chris Ristali here from uh, Realm of the Mist Entertainment and known for breaking the fourth wall, as you see behind me. I drew the short straw today, so I get the hosting duties of Coast to Coast Power Hour. So let's get the introductions right off, off the bat. Uh, first and foremost, my right-hand man, uh, my abbot to my Costello, my uh, Lou to my Ferrigno. I don't know. I'm just adding names. <laughs> Laurel to your Hardy. Laurel to my Hardy. <laughs> the the not funny one. <laughs> Mr. Michael Glenmore. Mike, how you doing? Hey, gang. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm glad to be He's back. This is here, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> this is Scotty Schwartz talking in the background, and Sorry, he's a funny guys. guy. No, he's good. He's good. I like your dog. <laughs> the dog's the star of the show. Yeah, and Miss, El- Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Up oh, now, I got to do a Macho Man voice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next, obviously, is a first timer here on on the uh, Coast to Coast Power Hour. Uh, forgive me, I am blanking what your show is. Uh, the title of it. Well, I have a but, few. I'm sorry. I have two different shows. Okay, which one do you which one do you want to promote? You only get one this show. No, I only can't. get one. Wow. <laughs> I gotta go. No, you get <laughs> So my show is the program, which is an interview show. I interview different sports and celebrity people, uh, singers, actors, uh, different sports stars and guys coming up in sports. Uh, that's on the Believe Network. And then I have Journey with the Jays, where I work with a bunch of different uh, sportscasters. Uh, it's a more opinionated show. Talk about whatever hot topics are going on in sports right now. Uh, that shows video and audio, where my show is just audio, um, okay. and you know you can see that anywhere. Zoom, um, that's Zoom, uh, YouTube, and all over. Okay, great. And of course, your name is JB Ellis. You know, I didn't get a chance to say your name yet because I was like blanking on what your <laughs> your shows were titled. I'm like, 
I know I looked it up before we began. Um, <laughs> got me already. I see how it is. Um, you know what? Like, like I told Mike before we started recording, I have been sitting in front of this computer since I woke up today. I am tired. It's okay. Yeah, I'm bad but you woke up at 4.30. <laughs> and I've been here since 4.30. Uh, it's 9.30 my time. Uh, but last but certainly not least, the special guest of the day, I'm proud to bring him on. I've had the chance to, and the opportunity to sit down and talk with this gentleman before. Uh, I was supposed to meet him at a meet and greet in Philadelphia, and unfortunately I was unable to attend, which I felt terrible with. But uh, this this gentleman, there's not a nicer guy on the planet, and anybody who could talk about children movies would be this man since he was one of them classic children's movies. Ladies and gentlemen, Flick himself, Flick lives, Scotty Schwartz. Hi, gang. Again. <laughs> Hi, again. <laughs> All right, so first and foremost, like, uh, like we'll dive in a little more. I'll let Michael uh, start us off here. Talk a little bit about your, your individual podcast. Uh, I want get, to get people who are listening to this, uh, this uh, Power Hour a chance to get to know you guys and your individual shows and where they could find them shows before we really get into the conversation topic at hand. Sure. Um, I have two podcasts that I do. The first one is In a City Like Yours, which is a true storytelling podcast where I ask my guests to come on and tell a story of something that's happened in their life that has changed them in some significant way. Uh, I've said that so many times, I've got it down pat. Uh, but anyway, that's my show for uh, In a City Like Yours. And the other one is called Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, where I work, I'm the co-host with Scott Silverman, who is a addiction recovery expert. And we talk about uh, things in the addiction recovery world and so forth. And uh, both of them are found on all popular podcast platforms and um, soon to be Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour will soon to be on uh, YouTube coming out this first of the September. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. And Mr. JB. Yes. So um, I do the program, which is my show, uh, interview based um, audio. It's on the Believe Network. I've had some uh, Andre Dawson, who's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Scoop, uh, Scoop Jackson, who's a, a big-time reporter on ESPN, um, some up-and-coming players that were in the NFL draft, um, you know, some actors and uh, singers. You know, it's a lot of fun. And then, of course, Journey with the Jays, which is the opinionated sport, sports show all over. Um, and that's on YouTube as well as um, uh, audio as well. Well, you know, I got to ask, as a Philadelphia fan, have you had anybody important, you know, like, Philadelphia players. Larry Boa. There you go. Great that, guy. He was really that nice. <laughs> that is truly important. And of yeah. course, uh, Mr. Scotty Schwartz, I know you don't necessarily do podcasts, but uh, anything in particular going on in your world right now? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I have my, my social media, Scott Schwartz actor. That's the page you go to for the like and all that stuff to follow me. Um, I'm going to be north of uh, Minneapolis coming up here uh, for uh, they have a car monthly card show and I'm going to be doing that. And uh, I'm doing the Great Spo Great Smoky Mountain Comic Expo next in, in October in Tennessee. Okay. Um, and uh, after that, I, I know I'm going to be at Mike Stadium Sports Cards in Aurora, Colorado outside of Denver in December. I don't have a date yet, but uh, yeah, I don't have my own podcast. Everybody tells me I should, but I don't. So I let, I let you guys do all that. And I just come hang out. 
you really should. Are you still involved with the uh, independent wrestling scene? Do, uh, have you still been connecting with the uh, wrestling world? You know, that's funny because I, I was just speaking to Hollywood Jimmy Blaylock down in Mississippi about a half an hour ago. <laughs> he just hit me up. He's like, dude, how you doing? What's going on? You know. So him and Stan Sierra and Lawler goes down there once in a while. And Derek King is one of their guys who's retired like 64 times at this point. I mean, you know, so a little bit. That that's one of the things that uh, our our publicist Steve Joyner had uh, told me about uh, Scotty when he first introduced me to him was just the not just the fact that he's you know flick from the to uh, from the Christmas story, but the fact of the matter is is I used to be a professional wrestler, an independent professional wrestler, and he's like, oh, you and Scott should get together because Scott's been involved with wrestling since God knows when. I'm like, are you kidding? When when did when did little Flick get a part of wrestling? <laughs> I was mesmerized at finding out that, uh, like, you've had a very long standing in the wrestling world. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh, got in with the gang back in September of '85 with WWF, and uh, I hung with them for you know 14 months, 15 months, whatever it was, and then uh, then I moved to California, and they didn't do much out here, you know. So I mean, to say I probably went to like two shows over 12 years, that would have been it. You know, right. And uh, but, you know, I, I, I was more or less out. I mean, the whole era of the rock and Stone Cold and all that stuff. I wasn't a part of it at all because that just I was here and not back east. And, you know, you get older and your your priorities change and all that. And uh, met Jerry Lawler at one of the conventions at, at Chiller Theater in New Jersey. And he's a Christmas story fanatic and I knew everybody he knew. And he's like, Oh dude, you got to come to SummerSlam, which is actually on right now as we're doing this. Not that we really, not that we really care, but it was SummerSlam, you know, seven years ago now. And right. Kind of ring me back into it. And I followed it for a while. And, you know, I talked to some of the guys. Nice. nice. Well, let's go ahead and hop into uh, a subject that, that is kind of your world and, and, mostly all of ours for the most part in the entertainment world. We wanted to talk about movies. This is a subject that Michael and I have been sitting on for a good two months now. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trying to talk about this. Uh, for most of us, we're, we're obviously of age uh, that we remember the, the, the boom of, especially in the eighties, the boom of the pre adolescent, uh, buddy film and what i mean by that is like a group of kids go off on some form of adventure doesn't matter if the genre was comedy horror or something like that you've got a group of three or more kids winding up on some wild and wacky adventure and of course it's a coming of age story in some way shape or form in modern times you 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 have things like uh stranger things and uh the fir the first movie of uh the remake of it to kind of have a idea of what i'm talking about but back in the day there was a just an overabundance of films. I mean, The Goonies, uh, The Monster Squad, uh, Sandlot, uh, Stand By Me. Just, just to name four off the top of my head. Guys, were you were you huge fans of of these styles of films back in the day? I am now. I was uh, really I was too old to be to get into them at the time when they came out. But since we've uh, been talking about this project, I've been going back and listening and, and watching quite a few of the shows, and I was really surprised. They were quite enjoyable. And it was fun seeing these actors as children. I'm sure Scotty could can, uh, you know, relate to that because he knew probably all of them or most of them. A lot and, of them. Uh, yeah, so he grew up with them. So uh, that's why we got him here, so he can give us that interesting tidbit. Yeah, the inside scoop of it. <laughs> 
Well, what about what about you, Scott? I mean, I know you kind of lived it with the with the the Christmas story, but did you watch these genre style films, especially because some of them were your like friends? Well, the- sure, because you watched what your contemporaries did, or you watched what you know other kids did. You know, then that has that's not really has anything to do with me being in show business. We just watched that, right? You know, so I mean, you know, all that stuff, you know, that that you mentioned, and of course you had the pretty in pinks and 16 candles and uh oh god there was another one i had in my head and it just uh, uh, um oh god with all the 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 keith coogan will wheaton picture where the, the guys take over the school they want to kidnap the kids T- uh, fast, time, fast times original high no no but that's a great one too yeah um oh god no tap taps was tom cruise that's right never mind yeah but uh, it was a very young time. Soldiers, toy soldiers. Toy soldiers, okay. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is especially the Chris Columbus films, you know, the, the Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, they were they're kind of set in that time, and then you had the kids' versions of that. And it's really tough to do it now because none of those movies are really PC, you know? And for whatever reason, we've sort of turned off – the humor in our brains now where everything has to be serious and everything has to be real. It's like, no, you know, let's just go to a movie and enjoy whatever the producer, director, writer, cast, whatever they put on the screen, just enjoy it. You know, now everything is looked at in a completely different way. You know, Scotty's got a very good point, uh, JB, like uh, to get your mindset if they, especially in today's modern society of, of uh, Hollywood, they're always constantly remaking properties over and over again. I just read that uh, that uh, Will Smith and uh, Kevin Hart are about to remake uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, Scotty brings up a very good point. Would, would something like The Goonies, for example, be able to survive politically correctness of a reboot or would it completely destroy the charm of what the original movie brought? And that's part of a major problem in society all over. I mean, if you look at sports, which is mostly what I do, you know, it's completely different. Now you look at, you know, everyone's worried about what people say and what they do rather than how they just play. So I mean, with movies, it's throughout the whole society that that's happening and it does kill a lot of the entertainment factor in some of these great movies. Could you redo a movie like Goonies again and, and you know have it be the same probably not it probably would it would it be able to be done but they they've they've tried different things they tried to remake different films over the course of time 99% of them you, you when you walk into a theater and you've seen the original now you're going to see a remake is it going to have that magic is it going to have that special feeling you know i, I use one in particular which is bad because I know the guy who's the star of the film, but it is what it is. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka. Oh, Willy Wonka all day. Willy Wonka is Gene Wilder in his prime. He's fantastic. The kids were fantastic. The songs. It is an American iconic film. And you're going to take that and you're going to switch it over to Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. So you're giving a different version of it. But people who have seen the original 400 times, that's what they want to see. They want to see the magic again. And it's very, very hard to duplicate it or replicate it. 
you know, Bob Clark, who directed a Christmas story, did not want to do Christmas story two. He never wanted to do it. He never wanted to do a sequel, didn't want to do a remake. But when they paid him enough money, he's like, I'd right, find whatever, you know. <laughs> but it, it doesn't take away from the original because that's what people love. Right. You know, whatever they think about the second one or the the the, the, the my summer story or Christmas story two, it's a different thing altogether. Well, it, it it does bring up a question though, uh, and I, I can get I can get it from your standpoint, especially uh, being a child actor who who is in such a beloved film. As as one of the performers, would you even want to see an attempt to remake your film? You can't remake it. You can't get lightning in a bottle twice. It just doesn't happen. The closest thing was actually. Uh, myself and Bob, we were out to dinner. He, he loved this place called Norm's out here in LA. It's a 24 hour joint. And his dinner was at between 11 and midnight at night. That was his dinner time. <laughs> he, was, he was a vampire. I always say. Okay. Um, and we had actually tossed around ideas of the older kids, meaning me, Peter, Zach, Yano, Ian, or we go Ralphie, Randy, Scott Farkas, Grover, Dill, Flick, Schwartz as adults. And it's their relationships, but it's also their kids' relationships. How do they get along? How do, that, do they treat each other? Is, is Scott Farkas's kid still a bully? Is right. Grover, did, you know, Grover Dill kid the bully? You know, I mean, we tossed it around a couple times, but it never got anywhere further than that, you know, because it just, you can't just go, we got it. It just doesn't happen like that. See, personally, I, I would accept that. Like, if, if you told me that you guys were doing a, uh, excuse me, a, a Christmas Story 3 where you guys were the adults and now the story's being told by your children, you know, the best way I could describe it, it I would accept it. The best way I could describe it is we have a movie coming out now. This, this coming week uh, with Bill and Ted face to music where it's almost kind of a passing of a torch to, to Bill and Ted's children. You know, um, I would accept that more than what I mean is like if, if Hollywood turned around and said, look, we're going to do the Christmas story beat for beat the same movie, but we're, we're going to make it for modern times. Right. Or what it, I that, mean. it would be totally different. And the general public will accept the kids growing up. They understand that. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. You know, but to turn around and recast everybody, you're going to have a new Ralphie and a new Randy and a new Scott Farkas. Wait, we like the first one. You know, we like the first guys. Just bring them back and work with that. You right. know, Bill and Ted's is a different thing because you've always had Keanu and you've always had Alex. So <laughs> right. it's them, them, them. Great. So those will always work. You know, unless they're, you know, Caddyshack, Caddyshack too, you know, whatever, you know. But <laughs> you're keeping the original members, you, sh you should still be able to do well because you've got a fan base that's built in already. You know, as much as they love the film, Christmas Story, they loved us as, as child actors, as performers. You know, it all had, a, it all is in the package. You know, but to try and recreate it, to do the same film now with a different cast, Bob's gone, Gene Shepard is gone, and that's the material it's from that people fell in love with. Right. 
Uh, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I, like I said, I would I would be more accepting if you were to come if somebody were to come out today and say, "Hey, we're making uh uh you know, Christmas story the next generation." There as you opposed, go. As opposed to we're rebooting Christmas story. Yeah, we uh, don't have to be the stars of it. No, no, you make the kids the stars. Right. But but you've got to see Ralphie's you got to see Ralph, uh, uh, whoever the kid Ralphie, you got to see the father. You got to see Ralphie. Mm-hmm. You got to see Flick. You got to see Schwartz. We're gonna we're gonna concentrate on the kids, but we're still gonna see the parents, and the parents are the ones that people fell in love with. Especially, especially if you see the parents. Like uh, obviously, we mean Ralphie more than anybody else here, and that uh, because we got to see their uh, Ralphie's home style growing up in the original movie. Mm-hmm. You got to see a parallel of Ralphie becoming his father. You know what I mean? In a, in a sense where, you know, like we, we all swear we're not going to be like our parents and then we grow up being pretty much like our parents. So if Ralphie's a, a, a turkey thief and uh, <laughs> constantly yelling at the neighbor's dog, then it's fitting. You know, the continuity's there. <laughs> well, no, you could see Ralphie as like a banker. Yeah. Because no, he, he wasn't a dumb kid, you know, so he could be a banker. You know, uh, Flick was the wise guy. So maybe he's a stand-up comedian. That you know? makes sense. Scott Fark is the bully. Listen, he's a mechanic in a in a you know car shop. If you've ever seen one, you know. Divorced and in debt. Of course, Grover <laughs> Dill. You know, you guys. I don't know if you guys have seen Yano, who who was Grover Dill, but he is what we would call a brick shit house. He's built like a Mack truck, so it's hysterical because. Grover Dill owns a gym. I mean, <laughs> the the ideas very quickly if you just if you know them and you think about it of what the fathers would be, but right. it's where the kids are. You know, my daddy this, my dad that, yeah, yeah, my dad kicked your dad's ass, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, but you have to throw all of the PC stuff out the window because kids aren't PC. You know, they're just kids. Well, besides exactly. besides the PC thing, to throw to throw it out to the other two guys here as well, you know, when I when I think of like a modern day film, I think about uh, or or a modern day version or rendition of of the buddy films of the days. The thing was is like the kids got on their bikes and went out on a wacky adventure, whether it's to go see a dead body or go find buried treasure or whatever, what have you. I mean, in modern society, could that work with? youth generations that do nothing but sit on their phones or playing on tablets and computers, you know, and Xboxes, like how, how would we get that human factor that was a big appeal to these style of films out of modern day sensibilities? Do you guys think it would even be possible? Anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, nowadays, like you said, kids don't go out. You don't ever see kids out in New York. I mean, they're at home playing video games at home, on their phone. So, you know, going on a bike and going for an adventure, they wouldn't know what that is. When I was growing up and Scotty was in the movie, and, you know, we'd go out. We were out all day. If we play video games, it was because it was raining or it was late at night and it was the summer. We weren't playing video games, you know, in the middle of the week, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No, mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to do that. You were out playing ball or going somewhere, doing something, having that type of adventure. Right. Nowadays, yeah. would kids be able to relate to that? That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I played football, baseball with my friends, basketball when I wasn't going to auditions and stuff like that. I'm just saying normal stuff, you know. I mean, riding our bikes to the golf course, you know, 
playing a quick nine holes, doing whatever. That's what we did. Now it's sitting at the tablet and this is what they know, you know? And, and again, the world has changed. People have changed. You know, I mean, I was a kid, 12 years old. I didn't have a cell phone. We didn't have cell phones. You go outside, you go play at your friend's house. When it's time to come in, it's either you're in before the darkness or mom would stick her head out the front door and scream to me a block and a half away. And I'd, and I'd hear like, oh, guys, I got to go home. I got to go for dinner. <laughs> Kids don't understand that. Now, now mom just picks up the phone and sends you a text and says, hey, get your ass home. But nine yeah, times percent, you don't have to. JD, the JB, it's, you, you, you're perfectly on the money with that. Would kids even grasp the concept yeah, of no. going out for an adventure? Well, my, know, it would have to be something different, you know? It's a but shame. My, it's really a shame, I think. Uh, how could we get back to that somehow? I mean, you can't make, make force kids to go out and have a good time out in the yard or whatever. I remember in the summer, the first thing I did was take my shoes off. And I, I didn't have my shoes on the whole summer that, you know, that, that to me told me that I was not going to school, <laughs> that I had a summer vacation. And, you know, I rode my bike everywhere. We went all over the neighborhood and we met all these kids that lived in the neighborhood and it's just not that way anymore. But, you know, well, I don't kids, think most of the time kids are creatures of habit. It's what they do every day. So if we took away the social media, if we took away the cell phone, you know, the securities that parents want now, the cell phone thing. And the kids, you know, just, hey, listen, go over to your friend's house, go play. You know, I was at my friend Kenny's house all the time, shooting basketball, whatever, playing golf. My parents never called his parents' house to say, hey, where is he? They knew where we were. Today is just different. Now a kid, they go around the corner and the mother's panicking, where's my child? It's like, your kid's 15, he's going to be just fine. What the hell are you worried about? When did this become the thing, you know, that you have to take away social media, you have to take away, you know, the comforts of being able to just sit at home, and go, go outside. Well, I think because of social media, parents have learned the horrors of what could be out there. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid their kid's going to get abducted by some psycho and molested or, or what have you, uh, which, you know, could happen anyway. You know, that doesn't, doesn't mean just, you know, because now that was happening back then when we were kids as well. Maybe not, not as, as often, much, but um, not as not as much. And I think the reason, I think the major reason, and you know, I, I I'm I'm comparatively to most people that are sitting in this panel right now. I'm one of the younger guys, but I mean, uh, I would imagine that uh, it happens more now than it does did back in the day because of the fact that you know there used to be something called community. You know, uh, thinking about it, when I was a kid, when I was out in in the street doing whatever it is I was doing with my friends. I didn't have to worry about my mom and dad or, or grandparents, as it were, in my case, keeping an eye on me because I had the whole neighborhood knowing who I was, where I was, and would contact my grandparents if, God forbid, I was doing something wrong or if, God forbid, I got hurt or, or abducted or something. And I think nowadays, part of the reason why a lot of kids are more susceptible to being abducted and all is not just because of the fact that, like, uh, they they aren't well informed because they are but it's because of the fact that even the the neighbors the the adults just aren't looking out the windows anymore they aren't paying attention to the neighborhood it's all internal everybody just worries about their own shit and screw everybody else yeah and back in the I day when you can when you had kept your front door unlocked you know that's another thing that has gone to the wayside no one keeps their front door unlocked anymore or at least not around here yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in a community 
I know my neighbors on both sides, behind me, the guy in front of me. I know the ones over there. I know the kids play over there. You know, we don't really have any issues over here. But, you know, and I also live in a community where it's, it's a more red than blue community. And pretty much every other house has guns in it. People know that. <laughs> so they don't really mess around over here with anybody. They leave us alone, you know. Right. You know, but I mean, you know, I mean, I have friends in 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 uh, Manhattan, 90th and Broadway, 88th and Broadway, 82nd and Broadway, 94th and Broadway. They're not letting their kids just go downstairs and take the elevator and go out. And that Absolutely ain't happening. Done. That ain't happening no more. That's it. There's certain areas here where I live in Philadelphia where you just and you know this guy. You you you've been to my beautiful city. There's just some areas you don't go down in the middle of the night, even as a grown man with a gun. Yeah, JB, you're in New York, is that right? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we were shooting Christmas Story, Cleveland was not a good town. It's not what you see today. You know, everything was run down. Everything was boarded up. And we literally, when we got there, we, we, they brought us all together for a meeting. And they said, when the sun goes down, Please do us a favor and don't leave the hotel. Even with your parents, <laughs> even with your chaperones, don't leave the building. If you want to go somewhere, call production. They'll send two people to drive you someplace. Now, the hard, not, not the hard rock, the, um, oh God, there was another one that was there in 83. Oh God. It was like a big diner thing that they had in cleveland okay. and it was four blocks from the hotel i was there once hmm. because you didn't want to go outside i mean literally you know that's neighborhoods that's that downtown it's you know be it cities all over the country you know the suburbs are always different you know you go to the middle of kentucky tennessee oklahoma mississippi it's open season because they got open fields and everybody's neighbors, like like Chris was saying, you know, a little different. But the cities, no, they've lost that entirely. You know, if the park is across the street, okay, kids want to go to the park, okay. Two moms or dads are going across the street to the park with the kids. There's no such thing as the kids are on their own anymore. And I say kids, I mean eight to fifteen. Well, you bring up a you bring up a great point as far as like again trying to modernize the uh, the, the the buddy kids movie, uh, you know pre pre adolescent movie. Uh, we're we're forgetting one simple factor that usually works with these a lot of these films too, and that's that's the advent of the adversary, which is usually a same age or slightly older bully, uh, be it a big brother or the kid in the neighborhood like like Fargus was or or whatever the case may be. How will we handle that in modern society with the, with the anti-bullying phase? How will we treat it? Like, uh, is it the gang member, the, the, the kid that's getting into uh, joining the Bloods and Crips? Like, like what, what, kind of, what kind of modernization will we even put on the antagonist bully role? It's, it's a great question. And really, no matter how you could end up doing it, somebody's going to have a problem with it. That's just where we are as a society. Not everybody, you know, but, but one who's got the keyboard turns into 200 that is the keyboard, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you know, the bully is a bad guy. He's just a bully. You know, 
is that basically what every heavy in every film is, is a bully? You know, Edward G. Robinson did the bad guy. In how many films was he a bully? Right. No, he's an actor. He's doing a role. This is just who he is, you know. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we make that into a today's version of whatever? But you're right, you know. But and then you gotta be careful what the character is. You Who know? all here has it, kids and, and how, how have you dealt with that kind of thing? I mean, like like uh, JB, do you have children? Yeah, no children. Okay, I, I don't either. So that would be Chris and Scotty then if they... I don't have children. You don't? Okay, Chris, you're the hey, only well, one. Uh, well, with my children, I've been lucky so far, knock on wood. My, my two youngest, uh, who are 11 and 10, are pretty well liked by everybody in their school. So uh, they're, they're, they're kind of the popular kids. No, not popular in the sense of like, you know, oh, Buffy and, you know, <laughs> shit like that. But I mean, like, my, my, my son's a goofball, so everybody likes him. He's kind of the class clown. And my daughter... My daughter just gets along with everybody. The only time I really dealt with bullying was my older son. And it's, it's a weird scenario because it's, uh, it's one of those types of situations where my oldest son kind of asked for it. It's one of those deals where he'd like go pick a fight with the bully. In oh, which case, okay. like, well, you kind of brought that on yourself, man. You leave him alone. He's leaving you alone. Don't mess with him. I, yeah. I, had a deal. I, I dealt with this yesterday. Not a week ago or a month. Yesterday, a friend of a friend, this kid, 10 years old, he's almost 11. He's on the chunky side. He's getting bullied. Oh. Now he's having semi-depression and what do I do and this and that. And his parents, they're his mom and dad. They support him, but kids don't always listen to everything their parents say. But if somebody else says it, they seem to get it better. Right. So I went and met with them yesterday and I sat there with the with the mom and the dad and the kid and we talked and whatever and yeah he's a little chunky and you know but and he and he's not quite 11 years old and I'm kind of thinking you know how do you want to take this because he's being bullied and I asked him how big the kid was and he's like oh he's like this much taller than me and I'm like and he and he's thin he's skinny yeah I said so you outweigh him by 40 50 pounds right yeah I said then you know you wait till he makes a move and he does something and then you just kick the shit out of him because that's what you have to do. And his mother and his father both told him, if you do that and you get in trouble, it's okay. We're, we are totally okay with that. If you beat up the bully, we will take you out to dinner. It's okay to stand up to a bully. As long as you're not the one throwing the first. Instigating it, yeah. Right. The, funny, the funniest thing was is he's, he's dabbling a little bit into acting, a little bit, tiny yeah. bit. But he likes to sing. I said, oh, yeah. And I'm figuring, you know, 10 years old, what do you like to sing? He says, oh, I sing some of the stuff from today. But I really like to do Sinatra. Nice. <laughs> I said, Sinatra? I said, I said, what songs? He goes, oh, uh, Fly Me to the Moon, My Way. I said, okay, listen, this is what you do. So I came up with his game plan. I said, work on with either song you like doesn't make any difference. Work on it for like two months because he's sitting home right now. You can't go to school, you know. Right. I said, have your mom record you singing it and throw it up on YouTube. So by the time you get to school, you will have emailed it to your friends and your friends will have emailed it to their friends and their friends and whatever. I said, by the time you get to school, when this kid bullies you, everybody else is going to stand up for you. They're going to say, hey, he's a nice guy. He sings. He does it. Leave him alone. 
I said, so right now you don't really have too many people backing you up, but you might have 200 by the time you get back to school. I'll tell you what, you send me that video. I'll make sure it's on the next fourth wall uh, weekly episode. We'll, we'll feature him. A kid, 11 year old kid singing uh, Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. In fact, I'll make a, I'll make a request. Send me the video of him singing some Dean Martin, man. Give me, give me some kick in the head. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he's got a decent he's got a decent voice he really does it was nice i mean Thanks. we're sitting at the table at a restaurant outside so right. it wasn't like he could just blast away but i could hear his voice i'm like kid's got a damn good voice you know very but nice. bullies are everywhere and they've always been here they're always going to be here it's how you equate what we used to do to what we did now i had a bully in school i got locked in lockers i got thrown in the garbage container in our high school cafeteria you know and I had my ways, you know, because I had friends that were the football players and the wrestlers, and they helped me out a little bit. And there you go, you know. Kid ended up, you know, in the shower with all of his clothes on a couple times, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> now it's just a different thing. People are, eh. Well, that, that, that brings up a very good point. I mean, it, it, we kind of fell off the movie roles here, but it yeah. brings up a very good point. Uh, how many of us, as Scotty stated, I mean, I can't, I can't lie or deny either. I've been in many fights in my life, and I've lost more than I won, and most of which were to some form of bully. You know, it's not like I went out looking for a fight, but I've tried to defend myself, and sometimes I just wasn't better than the bully. Um, but I usually earn the respect by the end of it because I had the balls to stand up to them. But, I mean, like, how many of us have gone through that, and how did you handle your bully situations when, when they, you were confronted with them? I graduated from high school. That was the end of my bully. Um, there you go. <laughs> you know, I was, it was pretty bad in high school, but once I graduated, I didn't. I never saw those kids again, and I was fine with that. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically, I'd fight back when they start, you know, and before you know it, it was done. You know, that, it was never anything major. Um, when I was in high school, I was fought as grammar school, and then as I got older, everyone was always afraid to fight with me, you know, because I was always a little bit bigger, taller. So nobody really bothered me, but I was young. I would just stand up to him and that would be that. I didn't have that benefit. You guys are lucky. I graduated, (laughs) I graduated high school. I was five foot tall. I weighed 97 pounds. Wow. (laughs) You know, but listen, we've, we've come to this bullying. This is what it's called. I didn't call it that. We didn't call it that back then. No, he's an asshole. Right. There wasn't a bully. It was, he's an asshole. It was just different. You know, then they created the bullying thing, you know. You know, I mean, Scott Farkas in Christmas Story is a bully, and then Ralphie beats him, and then everybody's happy. You know, but I don't say he's a bully. I say he's an asshole. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I used to term bully because I'm a parent, and, you know, the mm-hmm. first time I heard the term bully was my parents. You know, when I was getting picked on, it was, it was never my parents turned around and said, oh, he, the, the kid's a jerk or the kid's an asshole. So he's a bully. If you stand up to him, he'll leave you alone, whatever. You know, so I kind of use the same phrase. But, yeah, you're, you're right. When I'm, when I'm in the mix of it, the guy's a jerk off. The guy's an asshole. The guy, you know, the guy's the, the, the load his mother should have swallowed. Whatever derogatory <laughs> way I could, I could put it out there is the we way We weren't I, that creative, I, but I like that. <laughs> you know. Um, you're right. We never looked at them as bullies. We just looked at them as somebody who, you know, was dropped on their head one too many times in, in life. And, and it, my bully, in my case, my bully, we have no idea where he is. After high school, disappeared. Hmm. We don't know if he's alive, dead. He never came to a reunion. Nobody knows his address. Nobody's seen him. Nothing. He's like disappeared. And I'm like, 
I just hope that, you know, he's someplace nice and he gets three square meals a day and somebody named Bubba is regularly visiting his rectum. That's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's pretty much all I hope for him. You want to be the husband or the wife? <laughs> oh, they probably would have made him a bitch really quick. There you go. But uh, no, that, that brings up a very good point too. Is like sometimes some things that like even films don't necessarily uh, uh, visit all too much is the bully after the fact. You know, normally like 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 uh, like you said with Fargus. You know, Fargus gets his ass kicked by uh, Ralphie. And that's the last you see of Fargus. You you never see what becomes of Fargus later. Like does does a a Fargus uh, ever grow up and realize, dude, I was kind of a jerk or I was an asshole or do they become that much more? Do they become the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world? Who knows? Or why they were bullies to begin with. Or Or why they were bullies to begin with. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, a lot of times there are kids that have some problems at home. It may be, you know, tough dealing with your father or dealing with your mother. And then you take that out on somebody at school and you feel big again. So you just got to wonder what they're going through. But nowadays, it's not even so much, you know, a bully as in face-to-face. It's online. It's on Facebook. You know, you write That's... about somebody. It's, it's hidden. You know, at least in our day, if somebody said something, you were there, you could confront it. Now, anybody could say it anywhere, and you, you're like, it's so much different. With JB, you, you hit the nail on the head. We used to leave it in school. You got on the bus, or you rode your bike home, or you walked home, whatever it was, and it was over until the next day. Now, before you even get home, it's ding, 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 and, and you're getting hammered and just hammered with it until basically you fast, you go to sleep at night. You know, so it's really, it's a 24-hour thing, and it's leading kids down a path of darkness. I mean, how many kids at 12, 13, 14, 15? Now, you know, I bring this up because it's, it, it's one of these topics one of my best friends that I've known for almost 40 years, 35 years, 30, his 15-year-old son this past year took his own life. Oh, God. You know, and I don't say that to be like, oh, you know, what? no, it's just, it's what happened. You know, and I had to fly back and, you know, go to a funeral and it's like, I'm standing with my friend and they just, you know, the kid had depression and this was happening and that was happening. They tried to help him and this and that. He couldn't, couldn't swing and he couldn't get out of it, you know. And this is a upper middle class kid. They weren't poor by any means. No stretch of the imagination. You know, his father ran uh, collectible shows with some of the sports guys that you know, JB. And he, yeah. he runs he runs the uh, Philly card show. Oh, wow. You know? I mean, it's, it's a shame. It's hard for the kids nowadays. It's so different. We had yeah. the opportunity. If somebody said something, it was to us. We could confront it. We could do something. Or we could do nothing. However, we chose to deal with it. Right. Like you said, now if they don't do anything, you know, before you know it, there's a hundred different, you know, posts. Who's seen it? It's going throughout the whole city, not just the school. You know, it's we, very hard. And we as adults look at it differently than we as fourteen-year-olds. Right. If we had to go through that nonsense at fourteen. You don't think the same way. You know, this is the end of the world. Oh my God, they said this about me. Not understanding and realizing in two weeks, nobody remembers anything anyway. You know, but to them, it's the end of the world right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's just. And it's also the sign of the times, like you said before, because like adults even deal with it. I deal with it on a, on a regular basis because I share political points of view that may not be uh, 
you know, uh, liked by other people. And I, I get the, I get the bullying all the time. And, you know, it, 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 social media has definitely made people have, uh, I always call them keyboard cowboys. They've gotten way too comfortable with saying shit without having the repercussion of getting punched in the mouth. Now I'm an adult as a kid. You're right. When we were kids, you know, you could confront it, you could run away from it. You could leave the school and the worst case scenario is you just got to worry about, am I going to cut school or pretend to be sick the next day? So I don't have to deal with it again, but your home was your sanctuary. Your friends out on the street was your sanctuary. Once you left the, 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 the problem area, you really didn't run into that kid, that bully again till the following day going back yeah. to school. Now the problems follow you home as a kid because of social media and shit like that. And I get it. I get where, where Scott's saying it's like it, it follows you 24-7. And of course, yeah, as an adult, we're just going to be like, well, okay, turn off your Facebook for the day. Then right. they can't bother you. But that really isn't the answer because who's really shutting off their Facebook? And let, let's be honest. Who, as much as we should cut back on social media in the world, who's actually doing it, especially children? But at the end of the day, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're okay with who you are and what you believe in and whatever, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Don't care what somebody says on Facebook or any, you know, whatever, Twitter, who gives a shit? I don't see me. I'm, again, I'm older than I, I, maybe Mike's older than me, I think. I know I'm older than JB and Chris. I'm, I'm 52. Older than you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm 52. I'm, I'm 58. So, okay. And you guys are younger. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. 43, so. I'm 45. Yeah. yeah. So it's just different what we think now, what's important, what's not important. You know, are these people paying our bills? Are these people taking care of our families or our home? No, of course not. So who gives a shit what they say? I could care less. Right. When you're 12, 13, 14, you don't have those thoughts. Yeah, you this just want to be lying. thing in the world. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly it. The, 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 social, the social construct in the schools. The one thing that has not changed in the, in, in the high school, junior high school world is that reputation pretty much is everything as you're going through your school years. You know, uh, do they do they have repercussions for your real life? No, of course not. You could be you could be the class loner or the or uh, or the class uh, valedictorian at the end of the day and still wind up working at McDonald's at the same same time. It doesn't matter. Or you can wind up being the next guy who creates the next NASA rocket to to Mars. You know, the opportunities are still there regardless of how you were socially in school. But while you're going through your 12 years, 12 plus years in, in school, that reputation with those classmates and those schoolmates, it, it really is kind of life for, for most kids. Yeah. That if somebody even remotely jokes about you being disliked by somebody, it has major repercussions to your, your self-esteem, your ego, and how you associate with your other classmates. And Unfortunately, today it standards like back in the day, if somebody you know spread a rumor about me in high school, the worst case or in elementary school or middle school, worst case scenario is you have me turning around and punching you in the nose in the hallway. Nowadays, the repercussion is you wind up with kids in trench coats with Mac tens. You know, it's really escalated out of control. Yeah, school is such a it's 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 a job for kids. I mean, that's what eight hours happen? a day, five days a week, and you know, that's such a big thing. How did this happen? 
how did we just go off the rails? And I say we, and it's really kind of my generation, but it's kind of the one under me. You know, it's the the 30 to 40 year olds, not the 50 plus year olds, you know, right. because you guys have the kids that are six, seven, eight, 10, 12, you know, 15, you know, in that range, you know, what happened here, gang? I, you think, know? I think it's babies having babies. And of course, uh, everybody reading, you know, and I, I, I mean this in a joking sense, but not really everybody reading Dr. Spock and deciding that's the way you got to go. You know, as opposed to, you know, learning from your parents, which all of us are supposed to do, uh, the right and wrong ways of parenting. And, and it doesn't matter if you believe in spanking your child or not spanking your child, punishing them or, or whatever, however you punish them or whatever. The main thing at the end of the day is teaching human decency and kindness to your children. You know, morality, right, true right and wrong. And I respect. think respect and respect. And I think those respect. Highly missing in, in a lot of uh, child development today. Well, teachers so are doing all, a lot of the uh, teachers are bringing up kids now. It's not so much their parents doing it anymore. It's the teachers. They're with the teachers more than they are with their parents most of the time. True. And they're with their friends and they're on social media more than anything else. Mm -hmm. and there's no sense of community. I, when we were growing up, you know, you knew your neighbors, everybody knew each other. Like we said earlier, if you were out and your mother called you, you didn't go, somebody else would tell you, your mother's called, you go home. Now yeah. it's, oh, let's get the cell phone and see what's happening. We'll take a, we'll take a video of it yeah. and, and post it somewhere. It's, there's no community now. Nobody, you know, works together. That yeah. is so, too structured. So how do you take all of this that we just went over in the past 15 minutes or so and say, okay, we're going to make a teen movie today that's going to resonate with people. They're going to like it. It's going to be fun or whatever the case may be, whether it's Gremlins, Goonies, Monster Squad, you know, uh, uh, oh, God, what's the River Phoenix picture with Will uh, Wheaton? Uh, oh, oh, Explorers? Just it too. Uh, toy Soldiers. Not Toy Soldiers. The River Phoenix picture with all the guy with all the, the five kids with Stand Feldman. By me. Oh, Stand by me. Stand by me. How yeah. are you gonna do that today and sell it to the average teeny bopper from fourteen to twenty four? You know that age group that loves Stand by Me. Yeah. How are you gonna do that today? They don't. They have. They have no concept of what that life is. You know, it's hard to do that stuff, man. You know, 16 candles. How are you going to do that with, you know, a girl holding up a pair of panties and, you know, Mike Anthony, Michael Hall holding up panties in the dance. What are you crazy? I could see, I could see something similar. And this is, this is me spitballing, you know, take, take it for a grain of salt and take for a grain of salt. I am not a filmmaker in any way, shape or form of the word. Uh, but I would imagine the only way we could really pull off like, setting it back into the examples of, of the, the kid, the, the kids style movies that we did that we were talking about back in the eighties and early nineties, but setting it in modern times is maybe parents sending their kids off to some sort of summer camp or even a disciplinary camp where they have the technology taken away from them and they start to learn the value of, of the, the community friendship and, and, uh, uh, cooperation between each other to do whatever it is that they do in that film, you know, whatever it may be, may like maybe because they're so bored, they pick up, they find an old book, and in that book, it states that somewhere on the ground, somewhere there's uh, 
I don't know, old World War II uh, bunker or some crap like that, just, just for the sake of argument. So they wind up looking for it and they wind up getting lost in the woods and now they've got to figure out how to get back, you know, or whatever else. Um, I don't know, something like that, I think, would probably be the only way we could really get it back to that innocence of, of, of friendship and camaraderie between the group. As long as, as, long, as long as nobody said, well, you know, the counselors taking away their cell phones is violating their civil rights. <laughs> so we can't do wow, that. Wow, you hit that one right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, again, this is just my personal thing, okay? And I don't have kids. Right. You know, I always say I don't have kids. I understand, you know, but I mean, I got plenty of friends who got kids. Any kid under high school should not have a cell phone in school. There is no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? There's no reason. Home. Child gets on bus. Child goes to school. Child gets back on bus. Child comes back home. End of story. Have a nice day. There's no reason for them to have a cell phone. Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. My daughter this year has to have a $90 uh, Texas instrument calculator for math. She's got to have one. They, 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 it's, it's in the school manuscript. They sing you every year to tell you what they need, you know, for the school year. They expect me to buy a $90 ca- calculator for an 11 year old girl. Uh, by the way, excuse me. When I was 11 years old, you guys suspended me for a calculator on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> now we encourage it. Not only do we encourage it, it's got to be the expensive one. I can't go to the dollar store and buy a calculator. No, it's got to be a Texas instrument. I forget the exact uh, the model it is, but it's an eighty-nine ninety-nine, you know, calculator. Are you kidding? I don't even own that calculator. You got to have an iPad. They got to have a laptop. They got to mm-hmm. have. How in the world did we become decent human beings, intelligent human beings? I did this test yesterday with a 10-year-old kid. This is actually funny because we're bringing this up. I said to him, I said, I have a question for you. He said, what's that? I said, do you know what the Dewey Decimal System is? Oh, Jesus Christ. He looked at me like I was from outer space. We knew what the Encyclopedia Britannica was. Oh, yeah. Everybody had one. Every five years, you got a new one because you got to get the updated one. Yep. Everybody went to a library to find out information. We didn't just pick up a forgot the phones and, and, and start to, you know, hey, hey uh, Zuri, I'm an idiot. Uh, what, what is this? No, that's not what we did. We had to work for the information, work to learn. Now it's push a button and they make it easier. You couldn't have a calculator in school when I went to school. You, you get caught with a calculator, automatic fail. It's all over. How, how did I describe the Encyclopedia Britannica to my children when they asked me one time? Uh, I told them it was Google and hard copy. <laughs> pretty much that's pretty yeah. much what it was but you had to go and look for it though yep <laughs> you know you had to go down if you were looking under you know if you're looking to try and find out what it what a uh uh a flute was whatever you know i, I was actually trying to think the master of the fan the oh god what the, zamfir the master <laughs> of the pan flute Okay. You had to go to you. You go Z. Okay, Zamfir. Who the hell is Zamfir? We had to go look him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we had to, we had to work for our intelligence. How the hell did we all survive this shit and become intelligent human beings without any of this stuff? Oh come on! Just it's just like you li- you live in a world where you have information at your fingertips. You, everybody everybody owns a cell phone, a, a smartphone. Everybody owns a computer, but that doesn't tablet, make them laptop. smart. 
but that, that's my point. Like, how can you be so intelligent and in having like your phone has autocorrect. I know this for a fact because every time I want to curse on my phone, it all of a sudden becomes duck. Um, <laughs> okay. We have autocorrect on our phone. How are we still screwing up spelling? Really? <laughs> in modern day. Come do on. Do kids how to know in script? Do they know how to write a real letter outside of sitting in a typewriter, print, and it prints it out? No. Writing a real letter. About telling time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do think the two things that have driven me nuts in, in modern times is that they don't teach analog clocks, you know, which for, for people who are dumb enough to not understand what analog means, is it means it's non digital, it means the actual long and short arm. The big clock. hand is the on the hand. three, and the little hand is on the six. It's 3 30. Okay. You know. Right. You know, or or the fact that they're not teaching uh, uh, handwriting, uh, cursive. Cursive. Yeah. You know? Cursive. That's what I'm saying. Writing a letter grip and uh, i mean it's just it, it's stupid to me because like if for no other reason okay i'm i'm guilty of this too i don't necessarily write in 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 uh, cursive when i write a letter to somebody uh i i'm more comfortable with using typical print but i still sign my name in cursive like i mean if for no other reason you gotta know cursive you at least sign your signature a am i this wrong was, but this was stuff we learned in second and third grade that's they okay. got kids graduating high school. They can't do it. They go, well, can I go to the computer and print it out? No. How do you, you know, come on, folks. What's taking the place now? Are they spending more time on computers and stuff at school or? Sure. I yeah, mean, pretty, pretty much that, that, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, social studies, but not in the social studies aspect of like we had, but no. social studies as in current event social studies mm. <laughs> you know i i've actually i I've, I've had to argue with with uh with my kids school i've had to argue with them on some of the curriculum it's like no you're not teaching my kid that because that's not any of their business like uh one of the schools wants to try to make it mandatory for uh spanish they have to take spanish not an elective second language be it spanish french german and you can choose the language or maybe a semester of Spanish, a semester of French, a semester of German, you know, or whatever, like it used to be when we were kids. No, no, mandatory, like 50% part of your grade that you take and learn Spanish because there's people who don't want to learn English. No, my kids are not going to Mexico anytime soon or uh, Spain or, or wherever else. They shouldn't be forced to learn that language. If you want them to know a second language, well, my family's German descent, let them take German. <laughs> At least that fits to their family heritage. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know? well, it, a lot of it is they want to cut out the the elective part of it to take a French or a German, and they just want to have one teacher. So they're saving money by just having Spanish teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's – and, of course, you know, it's basically the second language of the country at this point. You know, doesn't mean that 60% of us know it, you know. I know no dinero. I got that part down, you know. <laughs> you know, that's about it. You know, I took I took two years of Spanish, and I don't remember any of that shit that I learned. I took four right. years in college and still don't know it. I can't speak it. I, I can read some, but I can't speak it. And you would think that after four years in college, I would know something, but it just I could not get it. And well, it might have been it might have been different if I'd taken more as a child. So I think you're, it's easier to learn as a child. But yes, 
you know, I, so I think that, that a language should be offered to a child at, at an early age, but maybe not to require a, just a, one specific language like Spanish. Well, that, that I'm was with Chris. Like, I'm with Chris on, you know, being able to select yeah. your. Well, that, that, that was kind of my argument to it. And I, I mean, if I'm wrong in this, guys, please let me know. But my argument to it wasn't necessarily that they were trying to force that somebody had to learn a language, but one particular language. And of course, it's Spanish. And of course, I know the reason why they want it, because they've been pushing for a while that Spanish becomes the second official language of the United States. I understand that. But my, my point to it was like, if my child has to be forced to learn this language and then lives their life without ever using this language, you just wasted uh, an hour a day for most of their professional school life on something they will never ever use. It's the same argument as like algebra. Unless you're gonna be a rocket scientist, who the hell uses algebra? I'm a carpenter, I'm a fence installer. I use angles and shit all the time. I can't tell you the last time I've used calculus to, to, to figure I out never has. an equation. I had, to, I had to take algebra, algebra two. I've never used it. I'm out of school for 34 years already. I never had to use that stuff. You know what you need? Shop subtract, class. subtract, divide, add, multiply. You're done. Shop class, home economics, uh, balancing Bingo. a checkbook, things you would actually use. Do you know they, they don't teach balancing? How do they not teach balancing a checkbook to kids? How? Mm -hmm. Teaching them how to file taxes. There are so many things that are taught that are basic things and so many things that are wasted and the kids have no playtime either. There's no time for gym or unstructured time. Everything is structured now. We mm. didn't have it like that. It's horrible. They don't my, have gym anymore? My niece. When not, she all, went to, not all schools, no. No, not all schools. They've, got a, they've gotten rid of a lot of the uh, – so, uh, the, That's the, a like physical activity music. for physical fitness. How is this not mandatory? Well, it's the same with like music and art. Those have fallen by the wayside too because they're considered non-essential, uh, non I guess is the terminology they use. Sorry, Michael. But, what were you but about I was going to say, talking about children balancing. Children being in shape is different than, than music or art. I, I, I don't, while I get it, you know, I don't necessarily totally agree with it, but physical education, you know, a kid has to have physical education because when he leaves school, he goes to 7-Eleven to get a big gulp or a big slurpee. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, talking about balancing a checkbook, funny story, my niece, when she went to college, my uh, brother-in-law gave her a checkbook right. and, said, and said that I've got some money in the bank. And so you, you need something, go ahead and write a check. Well, she thought that she, you know, if she wrote all the checks that were in the book, she was okay. And she got overdrawn, and he was like, you know, what, what, what are you doing? She goes, well, I've still got checks. I still got checks. Yeah. So that, you know. So she thought when the checkbook was empty is when she was out of money. When she was out of money, yeah. Which, again, uh, goes to the point. Like, you know, you, you, you teach, uh, you teach a, a class on how to, how to uh, take care of a credit card and credit card debt. Because, I mean, I was guilty of this, too, as a, as a kid. When I got my first credit card, oh, I went to town. It's free fucking money. All of a sudden, I'm really in debt from a, you know, a $100 spending limit on, on my first credit card. You don't think $100 would hurt, but all them interests and all them mispayments and all, oh, yeah, it'll, co it'll come back to bite you in the ass. This is something that schools should teach because it's preventative from kids winding up on the wrong side of things starting their real life, their, 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 their adult lives. Being you know, fiscally irresponsible. Being physically irresponsible. 
you know, um, teach people about how to save their, uh, their monthly income to be able to afford food and rent and bills, you know, figure out the income. Like, okay, if my rent is due on the fifth of the month and I've got $2,000 a, a month from my, from my income, well, okay, $1,000 in rent, it's due on the fifth. So I have to make sure I got that $1,000 at least by, you know, and I get paid bi-weekly. Like, figuring out those types of outcomes where you make sure these kids know how to save money and, and, and spread their money out to the needs, you know, without being like, well, okay, I get paid $2,000 a month. My rent's $1,000 a month. So I can afford that uh, $2,000 bike uh, right now. And then all of a yeah. sudden it becomes the, fifth, the first of the month. It's like, well, how do I not have money? You know, but if they did that, then the kids would realize if they took the student loans, how much they'd be paying back and where they weren't getting jobs from going to college and spending all that money in there, they would realize how bad of a system it was. Yeah, but you know what? College, college isn't the fact, that the, 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 even the loan debts, and, and I agree with you on that. I do agree with you. But the loan debts isn't necessarily the fact they can't pay it back because they can't find a job. There's plenty that went to college that got good paying jobs after college. The problem is, is all the ones that owed debts paid tens of thousands of dollars to learn, you know, lesbian, lesbian interpretive dance as their major instead of something that actually would benefit them out in the real world when it's time to get a real job. You spend $80,000 on a, on a major that at the end of the day is still going to have you standing at McDonald's asking people if they want fries with that. That's not the college's fault. That's yours for making it's, piss poor decisions. Listen, I'm one of the, I'm one of the people. I understand student debt. I never had any of it. I went to one semester of, you know, community college, whatever. Right. I understand it. But if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you go to college, you agree that this is what you're spending. This is what you have to pay them back. Now, does the government need to make a profit on that? No, of course not. Because that's really who the, the, the all the student loans are backed by the government anyway. It mm -hmm. should be a straight up one half of 1% or a 1% loan call it a day. You don't get it for free, but we're certainly not gouging you either, you know, to make it easier for these kids to pay it back. I got a friend of mine who's a lawyer here in Los Angeles. Okay. He, he passed the bar now. I want to say four years ago, he went to Loyola Marymount. Okay? okay. To this day, he still owes about 110,000 in student loans. His payments 1500 a month. And the interest is just in there and it's just in there and it's just in there. Right. You know, well, no, and, I, I and it's, it's beat the shit out of them. You no, know, I, I absolutely agree that that uh, college tuition prices are way too high, especially for what you get in the, uh, in the, in the end of the day. But um, what, what I mean is that there is a difference between the ones that uh, like your friend who took a career that was beneficial to which he is making a good amount of money, even though he's still drowning in debt, he's making those payments. Yes. As opposed to the other ones who are, you know, erect that much in, in debt, but they took a useless course as their major and are wondering why they're not making Bill Gates money uh, from it. So they want to rely on the government to pay it off or, or they want somebody, no, you agreed to the, uh, to the terms and the conditions of the loan that first off that's on you. And then you chose a useless major to be uh, what you graduate for which has no bearing in the real world. So you can't go out and get a, a, a social, uh, not socially, but a, a, a physically st a stable job. That's your fault. True. No question. Listen, anybody that wants to be any kind of a service person, 
electrician, a plumber, a carpenter. What the hell are you going to college for? Exactly. Go to electrician school. Go to the plumber place that they teach you. Go to the carpentry place that they teach you. Get on the job training if you can. Why are you going to college for four years spending $60,000 to come out of there and go, great, you know, I've got my degree in uh, whatever that I can't get a job, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back to doing what I love. I'm going to be a, an electrician. Well, what the hell did you do? You know, and as an adult, you are responsible for your own actions. Mommy and daddy are not responsible when you're 22 and 23 and 24. No, it's not mommy and daddy's job to take care of your shit anymore. Right. Well, it's a perfect example of my oldest son, who's uh, 24 right now. He's going into the Air Force. And this was a long-standing conversation for quite a while, because originally he wanted to go to the Marine Corps. I'm absolutely fine with the Marine Corps. I mean, I come from a family of, of military. I myself served in the United States Navy. Uh, I have no problems with it whatsoever. But what I told him when he was looking at the Marines, I said, unless you're looking to be a lifer, or when you get out, you're looking to be in something like law enforcement, I would choose a different branch. And he said, why? I said, Marines are taught to kill. There's not really many jobs in the Marine Corps that are made for life outside of the military. I said, whereas in the Army, in the Navy, in the Coast Guard, they have job applications that will fit in the civilian world. Well, now he wants to be a, uh, an a, a, uh, aviation mechanic for the Air Force. That's what he's going Great. to. Perfect. He can get a job with Boeing or something if he doesn't want to make a, a, a life in the Air Force. When he gets out, he can get a job with Boeing or with, you know, I know. Any airline. Or any airline. Yeah. Any airport, yeah. any airline. He, he, he gets some sort of trade outside of the service. And yeah. that, that was something I was drilling in his head for years through this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that lived across the street from me, his daughter went into uh, the army. She wanted, she wanted to go into dentistry. That's perfect. They put her in dentistry school. Mm -hmm. She's going to spend probably, I mean, she's young. She's, she's, she'll probably stay in for 20 years because being a dentist is being, you know, whatever, but she'll walk out of there and she could open up her own dentistry in five minutes. Oh, absolutely. Cause she's walking away, not only with the schooling and the schooling paid off in her, in her uh, enlistment, but she's walking away with the experience. Of course. From it. I'd of course. Highly recommend. How did we get into all this from movies about teens and kids? I'm just wondering. <laughs> because we realize that there's no way we could do these films in modern times without adding these types of uh, situations in. JB wants to go back to Larry Boa. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are we making you a little uncomfortable in this conversation, JB? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Larry, JB, Larry Boa sat next to me. In 1980, at the NBA playoffs at the Spectrum, Philadelphia versus Boston, him, wow. Greg, uh, Gary Maddox, and Mike Schmidt had the the little VIP booth right next to mine. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Now, there, there's my Philadelphia hero right there. He just said the name right there, Mike Schmidt. If I ever got a chance to speak to him, I'd like probably shit myself. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> really good dude. Is he? Nice. So, I mean, you know, like – you know, the long, the long and the short of it is, is I, I would never recommend and hard enough anybody, to, even if you don't want to go life, go in the service. They'll take care of you, but make sure you pick a, a, uh, a field in the service that you could walk out of the service and have a career with. 
totally don't don't just be don't just be an infantryman in the army or in the marines if you don't have aspirations outside of to become law enforcement or SWAT team for example you know because that's where those fields that, that that's where those skills will come into play but if you're if you're an infantryman in the army and you're expecting to become a CEO of a corporation uh, who 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 creates dolls for example action figures you're probably not going to achieve that goal as an infantryman because you just don't have the skills you're still starting at square one when you walk out of the you know yeah out of the service and True. the same the same deal as, as Scott said earlier as a, as a kid as a as a teenager and as an adult there is no shame whatsoever in having a, a, what most considered nowadays a pedestrian job but a, a, a trade job and going to a trade school. There are electricians who came out of uh, a trade school, paid $5,000, $10,000 for their complete training, turned around, opened their own business already debt-free and, and in the black as far as, as far as their annual income from a trade school as an electrician or as a plumber, whereas you've spent four, five, six years in college racking up all that debt and you're still working at the gap. There is no shame in becoming a trade, a trade worker and going to a trade school. Mm-mm. Not at all. No. Yeah. Listen, what do we need? Every home in America, same thing. Mm-hmm. We need a plumber. We need an electrician. We need somebody to fix this, somebody to fix that. That's it. No. As long as human beings exist, we are going to eat and we are going to poop, which means we need toilets that work. We are going to need houses to be built. We're going to need power in those houses. Exactly. As long as human beings exist, those skills are always going to be in demand. Oh, come on, man. We have wind and solar. Don't you know that? Anyway. (laughs) You still got to move the wind and solar from those panels into the house. That requires wire. Tell, tell, tell SJB how many windmills they got in Manhattan. I don't think Brooklyn and Queens and the Bronx. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, over, overall, the long, the long and the short of it is, is I, I definitely think, like, I don't know, if, if a modern-day film could be done with kids, I think, I think we have to have, like, like I said before, and, and again, I'm no filmmaker, I would say put them in a scenario like that, but we could address a lot of those scenarios just in like the sitting around a campfire in the middle of the night where these are literally concerns and, and problems the kids have that they can never find the answer to. And they could literally discuss it with each other the way we just did now. You know what I mean? I, I mean, don't know. Fan- fantasy type scripts like a, like a Goonies. Okay. Right. It's still fun. It'll always be fun, even to kids of this generation or the next one. They may not have experienced any of that or really understand, you know, that, yeah, they, they, there are tunnels and there are places that really like this exist, you know. To them, it's just a fun fantasy. Right. You know? Whereas our generation was like, dude, if we go up in the hills and the mountains, I wonder if we could find a cave like this. Right. You know, and we go look for the shit, you know. <laughs> you know, JB would just go to the 88th Street subway and go, dude, it's a fucking jungle down here. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of pointed to the to the parents, too, because, I mean, uh, where I grow up, where I grew up and where I live now in, in Philadelphia, we have uh, a park, uh, which is kind of a wooded area out here uh, called Penny Pack. You guys can look it up. It's a huge, huge uh, wild, wild, 
wild wooded reserve, I guess you could kind of say. It goes on for miles and miles all around. And uh, I spent my life in this park, you know, going off the beaten path and the trails and stuff, you know, uh, exploring and everything else. I introduced it to my kids and understand my 10 and 11 year old are phone and video game junkies. Like if I have them in the house, they're on the phone playing Roblox or they're on the Nintendo switch playing Minecraft. You know, you can't get them away from it. But if I ever say, Hey, let's go, let's go uh, get lost in the trails and penny pack. They're all about it. I think the children today could be saved and put out in those environments like the eighties kids as long as they got somebody guiding them into look there's more to life than that stupid little idiot box you keep playing with you you are probably in the extreme minority on the overall of how many dads there are in the country that want to take the time to do that most <laughs> most parents are working full time monday to friday saturday it's something you know, Sunday could be church, or Saturday could be temple, whatever it is. To just the time is not there. It's just right. not the same. And so by the time the parent just goes, you know, I don't really, I don't feel like it. You know, so good for you that you take the time to do that with your kid. You know, I wish more parents would and wish we had better parents as an overall. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not something I could do every day, but. Of course like not. On a, on a Saturday, if I could pull it, if the weather's working with me, yeah, I'd rather get them out in Penny Pack and, and exploring and taking a look at wildlife and finding an interesting rock or, hey, let's go swimming in the creek, you know, uh, and, and, and jump into, you know, fresh water, like real water, as opposed to a pool or something like that, and just get them away from the electronics for a while. And, and you know, like you said, bonding. It's just opportunity to, to, to hang out with my children. I think if... It doesn't take much. It could be just an hour. An hour out of that one day a week, you know what I mean, it is, I think, has a major impact on children. I think parents really should, mother and father, should really spend more time on that. You look at it from a very logical perspective, you know. Unfortunately, a lot of parents don't. Right. You know, they, they don't have the time, the effort, the energy to do those things. You know, my dad was a movie guy, so he took me to the movies all day on Saturdays from 9.30 in the morning until freaking 1 o'clock in the morning. I was sitting in movie theaters, you know, <laughs> watching movies every Saturday. That's what we did. Right. Other friends of mine, you know, they went bike riding, you know. My, my one friend's dad, he had a motorcycle. The kid, my, my friend Kenny, had a BMX. And they'd go out on trails, you know. He'd follow his old man, you know. But you don't, you don't have that much anymore, right. you know. The, the what should be is no longer now it's what I feel like right no you're not wrong but I definitely I definitely think even even if it even if it's like once a month or something take take your kid to the park take your kid fishing take him for a swim like there's nothing going on in your life that you can't spare at least one hour a month I'll, I'll go that far one hour a month devoted to your children and, and just getting them away from the routine, the regular everyday stuff. Am I wrong in this, Mike and, and JB in any way, shape or form? Uh, no, I have, agree. I agree. You have to get out of your comfort zone. That's so important. Sorry if I interrupted you, Mike, but no, and no especially with your kids, that's so important. Giving them new experiences so they can open their eyes and broaden their horizons. What are, what are parents supposed to do? Again, and I say that not being a parent, but somebody who, 
ment has mentored kids, has shared things with kids to help them with issues, problems, and everything else. And I see a lot of it is time rewarding for me, but not time rewarding for the parent. They're kind of like, all right, what time are we getting out of this? You know, and, and I wish that more parents would kind of understand teaching a child good things, the right things, the fun things that needs to be a part of the growing up process because they need to have it in their head as they get older so then they can do the same thing with theirs. Mine took me to the movies. That's what we did. I mean, of course, he took me to New York for my auditions and all that stuff. That's the extent. My father wasn't a fisherman. My father wasn't, we go out to the trails. We wasn't, we do anything. Zero, you know, but at least it was something. Right. You know, and I don't, and I don't say he's a bad guy for that, you know, but I saw my other friends, what they did with their folks. And I was kind of like, Hey, you know, I mean, I see it now with friends of mine who, who grew up the same way I did and they're taking their kids on vacations and they're going here and they're going boating and they're doing this. And I missed that. I didn't have any of that shit. I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know, but mine was different. Yeah. Well, it doesn't I, mean I, I don't envy a whole lot of them. I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head with some of the people, like you said, that, that you watched from, from a third party view is that a lot of people are, are trying to get at, a lot of parents and it bothers me being a divorced father who, who's dealing with the, you know, the, the, the family court system. And I know the family court system looks at fathers primarily as sperm donors. And it bothers me because when parents act like sperm donors, like all I did was create a child. Now, you know, go leave me alone, kid. You bother me. That bothers the shit out of me. Look, okay. I'm nobody special in this world. I, I'm far be it anywhere from a celebrity in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, but I was a musician. I was a professional wrestler. I've had my time in the spotlight. And I could tell you right now, out of all the years of music and all the years of wrestling, my time in the service, there is nothing on this planet that has been more important to me or, or has been more special to me than being called dad. I can't imagine anything on this planet being more important to me than my children and spending time with my children and building those memories with my children and hopefully having my children pass that on to their children, you know, in, in, in the time to come, as you said before, you know, become creatures of habit. We grew up this way. We give it to our family. I grew up without a dad. My mother was in the military and was always away. I was raised by my grandparents who were too old to do shit with me. I get it. I understand that. And I didn't want that life for my kids. And I just, I couldn't imagine a world where I was just too busy to give an hour to my children. An hour. You know? People just do not think the way they used to. The oh. days of Andy Griffith are gone. The days of happy days are gone. We don't live like that anymore. We could if people would instill the same things to their children that they learned from whomever respect kindness love of mankind you know there aren't there are no uh i don't want to say it there are idiots you know that we have in our country are they bad people not necessarily if you give someone respect and they give it back to you okay fine they don't give you respect. You don't give them respect. That's how the game is played. But you have to teach, especially the youth, respect your elders. 
-hmm. Respect the fact that people were here before you. You know, I mean, as an actor in show business, I mean, it is what it is, you know. But I look back and I go, oh, my God, you know, Gary Cooper, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney, you know, John Wayne, James Dean, but Marilyn Monroe, whoever they did. They were all here before me and they're all gone. And now we're here and we have Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington and Mel Brooks is still here. God bless him. I love him. You know, but at some point they're not going to be, then it's the next older generation, which I will be a part of, you know, but we're not the first and we ain't going to be the last, you know, but you have to respect the people that are older than you are, you know, and yes, respect law enforcement and police. I am monstrously in favor of that as well. Oh, of course. You know, that's how I grew up. The, the chief of the local police used to come to my father's house to play poker on Monday nights. <laughs> you know, I knew who this man was. You know, you didn't mess around with him. You know, we had a guy from the New York uh, New Jersey State Police Force who became like one of the top lieutenants in the New Jersey State Police. Play poker at my father's house. I respected these gentlemen. Right. You know. I, I teach my children. You've lost we, that. I teach my children to go to a convenience store or something like that and we see a cop there. I always tell them go up, shake their hand, and say thank you. Always, always. And, and oh, if I'm if I'm there and they're in front of me online at Seven Eleven or at a Burger King or whatever, I go, "What? How much is there? I got it, guys. I'll take care of it for you." Oh no, no, you don't have to. Yes, I do. You take care of our community. I just want to say thank you. That's all. That's it. You know, Done and, it many and, times. And for anybody who wants to try to claim that I'm full of shit about like what I mean about my children, understand I've been sitting here this whole entire podcast turn the light right now. Right now, this whole entire podcast with a Valley AA baseball hat, uh, cap on my hat, I'm on my head. That is my children's little league team. <laughs> they play for Valley AA out in uh, Ben Salem, PA. Uh, they didn't do it this year, obviously, because of COVID and all that. But my kid has been playing little, my son has been playing little league for him for about four years now. And my daughter only did one year, but she did one year of softball. And that's why I wear the Valley hats. I don't even live in Ben Salem. I just support my kids and their team. So, yeah, you're wrong. I'm literally wearing something that is representation of my kids while I'm on a show right now. So. <laughs> well, Scotty was just holding up a USA hat, it looked like, I think. Yes, he was. Say something, Scotty, so you'll come on. <laughs> it's my USA hat. I wear it all the time. Yep. Now, of course, some people might not like know that or like that, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, gang, we've uh, we've hit an hour and twenty four minutes. Maybe we should wrap it up, or, or oh, what? absolutely. Uh, so, so the overall consensus is, is uh, we probably couldn't get that film unless uh, unless somebody was willing to 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 break the 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 political cultural nightmare of the world and, and just go out and put out a fun flick overall uh how can, you, how can you do porkies today how can you do 16 <laughs> candles how can you weird science you oh, know I, how can you do these things what are you doing oh i'm making a woman yeah. are you crazy you know oh you chauvinistic bastard no we're just making a fun movie oh no it's chauvinistic you got kids that want sexy women oh christ what oh my god you know two thousand years we made it doing this nonsense and now all of a sudden it's uh you know nothing is right yeah <laughs> so guys why don't you go ahead and take a turn around the table and tell everybody where they can find you 
and of course your podcast if you are a podcaster or in general just so they can get in con- our fans can get in contact with you check out your stuff and uh go from there got mike well uh podcast in a city like yours and scott h silverman's happy hour i'm on social media at michael glenn moore jb Hi, jb so you can reach me on facebook jb ellis uh on twitter jb underscore the program uh you can listen to the program wherever you listen to podcast or the believe network and journey with the jays anywhere you listen to podcast or youtube excellent and mr scotty schwartz and you can find me on Facebook at Scott Schwartz Actor. That's my professional page, I guess, or whatever it is, my, my public page. And you can just follow me and like me. JB, I'm gonna, definitely going to send you a friend's request. I, I would love to do your show just because definitely. I'm a sports guy. And I, we, we could have, a, have great stories and have a great time. And you know, But Scott Schwartz Actor is where you find me on social media. Chris, take us off, brother. Absolutely. Well, before I give my little uh, my little outro, let me just go ahead and give a thanks to our publicist, uh, which is involved with SJ Promotions and SJ Network, Mr. Stephen Joyner. Guys, if you are interested in a publicist or if you're interested in having your podcast represented by a public uh, publicist or doing like we do, where we get to sit down with people like Scotty Schwartz and have them on our shows, please contact Mr. Steve Joyner at cell phone number 816-605. Uh, five, four, five, six, one. I can't read the small print. Great, great glasses. Or email them at stevejnetwork at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find him at s-j-network.com. That is s-j-network.com. And of course, guys, if you enjoyed what you see here and you want to see more, hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe uh, here on the Realm of the Mist Entertainment Network YouTube channel. Check out the uh, podcast of Breaking the Fourth Wall, both our weekly show and our podcast interviews, which drop pretty much multiple times a week. And of course, if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, we got you covered. Just check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Again, I want to thank the panel. Next uh, Coast to Coast Power Hour, Mr. Michael Moore will be hosting, so he'll be picking the topic of conversation. I definitely want to thank JB for coming on. I hope he had a blast and will uh, join us again. And, of course, to the Mr. Scott Schwartz himself. This time we didn't ask you to lick any polls, but I very much enjoyed having you on. <laughs> yes, very. Thank you so much, Scott. And guys, we will catch you on the next Coast to Coast Power Hour. Have a good night. Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show.